Well, church, you did it. You made it through 2020. I mean, goodbye, good riddance, right? You've got to be at least, I don't know, feeling a little bit good about that, right? I mean, I've, I've preached uh, quite a few New Year's sermons in my day, and they often have a very, a very similar theme, right? Uh, it's like something about, you know, start this year off right, build good habits, yada, 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 give this year to Jesus. Like, you get this, and, and I'm guessing for, like, many of us, like, most years you've entered into, you, you've probably, you know, come off the highs of, of Christmas, and everything's great, and you're going to tackle this world, and have high expectations. But this year, I mean, other, others of you, maybe you, you end the year typically with a lot of self-reflection and like, okay, here are the good things, this is the things I've learned, how I've grown, I'm going to build on this for the future. And you have all these sort of plans, but, but this year, I mean, honestly, all I can think is thank God that's over and please, dear Jesus, don't make us do it again. I mean, in my, in my 41 years, I have never been more grateful that a year is over or had more longing that this year will be different, but at the same time, if I'm honest, more anxiety that it, it won't. Now, I do think things are getting better, okay? I think there's a lot of reason to, to be hopeful and, and all, of, all of that. I, I, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think we can finally see a light at the end of this sewer tunnel. But we don't know what the future holds. Chances are it is still going to be a long, dark winter. And we don't know if 2021 is going to be any better. But church, I have three words for you today. Straight out of the Gospel of Luke, three words. I don't, have, I don't have seven tips on how to make this year better or five ways to, to forget the past. I don't have anything like that. It's just three words from our Savior and King. Don't lose heart. That's it. That's all I got. It's going to take me a lot more words to actually say those words to you uh, from this story. But that, that's it. Don't lose heart heart, church. When things are at school are still weird, when work still feels uncertain, when politics is still a mess, when injustice is still rampant, don't lose heart. When you still feel lonely, when you still feel completely out of control, when the people you love still get sick, don't lose heart. And Jesus tells us a story to that end. I want to read that story for us, and then we'll, we'll jump in together. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? If you've fallen asleep already, you can wake back up for a second here. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 for us. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. 
For a while, he refused, but afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, now some of you might be wondering, like, well, how do we get here? Like Luke 18, that seems like such a random place to go. But uh, if you've been with us for any length of time, you might remember we actually started studying Luke in a very different world back in December of 2019, a long time ago. I feel like a completely different place, right? Uh, and we were mostly in Luke all the way through August uh, of 2020. And today we're launching back into Luke, hoping to finish up Luke by Easter and, and you need to know that, or just even as a reminder, whether, whether you've been with us throughout this, this time uh, together or not, Luke writes just a few decades after these events took place. And, and he does so using eyewitness accounts and rigorous research to tell us what happened in these events surrounding Jesus. And Luke takes great effort to show us the kind of kingdom Jesus came to bring. Yes, Jesus came to die. Yes, he came to save sinners, but he also came to rule. Don't forget that. That's why we're calling this final series in Luke, Rediscovering Jesus' Kingdom. Because yes, we, we are still waiting for his kingdom to come. We, we've talked about that with Revelation this fall, with the series on heaven over Advent. We're waiting for his kingdom to come, yet Luke shows us what life in his kingdom ought to look like today, right now, for us as his subjects. Because if if you're a follower of Jesus, you you are subjects of his kingdom even now. And as his subjects in his kingdom, we should never lose heart. And in this parable, we see three reasons why we don't need to lose heart. I'm going to read the first verse for us again, 18 one, just how, how Luke sets it up for us, right? 18.1, it says, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray, we'll get to that, and not lose heart. Now, to understand this, I, I read the story for us. You can follow back along in, in the scriptures here, but you've got to enter into the world of this woman who Jesus is describing, because it's pretty awful what's happening to her. And so not only, I mean, think about that, not only did Jesus know that we would need a word of encouragement not to lose heart, he paints a picture at just how ugly life can get. He's basically saying, life with me can be a bit like this. And so if you've got to imagine this woman, in, in the first century, I mean, culturally, she's already at a huge disadvantage, right? She didn't matter much to that society, but she mattered to Jesus, and he uses her as the example. And not only that, she's a widow, which meant, again, culturally, she has very few options. I mean, that's vulnerable today, can be, right? But back then, very few options. Like, she was either dependent on those around her to care for her, completely dependent, or she had to sort of scrounge up a living to survive for herself. And it's not going well, Jesus tells us. Like, to no fault of her own, she's being treated unjustly. She, she, somebody, someone knows how vulnerable she is and is taking advantage of her. 
And even, even the fact that she is the one going to the judge, we read that and it just seems normal to us, but that was, that was unheard of in that culture, right? Because in, in, her, in her culture, uh, the men in her life would be expected to go to the judge for her. Women in most circumstances weren't even allowed to testify in court in the first century. But the fact that she is there before the judge means she has no one. There's, there's nobody in her life that cares for her, nobody who helps her. She has no friends, no family, and no hope. She is utterly alone. And Jesus is saying, following me is a little bit like this. Hey, disciples, don't lose heart. Let me tell you this really awful story about how terrible life can be, right? To cheer you up. Really, Jesus? But here, here's why I find this so encouraging. I don't, I don't necessarily like it, but here's, here's why this encourages me. Because this is, a, this is an ugly story Jesus tells but this story, meant to encourage us, shows us that Jesus knows. He knows. He knows how bad life can get, how frustrating, how disappointing, how lonely it can be. And here, here's the first point that we're driving to. It's a sentence I never thought I would work into a sermon, but here it is. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. Be encouraged. Jesus knew last year would stink. Don't lose heart, church. Jesus knew last year would stink. Because in, in this story, right, Jesus doesn't tell a story about, hey, disciples, hey, followers of me, if you follow me, everything in your life is always going to go according to plan. Everything's going to be perfect all the time. Jesus doesn't say that. Instead, he tells the story of her. And you see, I think, I think for me, church, sometimes when I imagine life in Jesus' kingdom, I think it's supposed to be all easy, right? Everything's supposed to go my way. Frankly, we're so shocked sometimes when it doesn't. I think, I mean, just transparently, one of the hardest parts for me of 2020 was just that I never saw it coming. Like, my life is supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to be safe. I'm supposed to have control. Yes, I have occasional problems, but I can fix most of them on my own. I know Jesus promises a kingdom, but rarely do I feel like I need it. And we very conveniently tend to forget Jesus' other promises. Pro promises, uh, prom you should hang this one in your house. Like, this is the promise of Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus. It's like, you have to hang it in your, in your wall somewhere? I, I kind of doubt it, right? It's not exactly my life verse. And, and Jesus, like, he promises weeping, pain, sorrow, hostility, and persecution. And what this year has reminded me is that I need a better kingdom. Because yes, there is one coming, right? We talked about that with Revelation. We've, we've looked back. But right now, the kingdoms are at war. Like, there is, there is real evil and injustice in our world, natural disasters and mutating viruses. And we have a real enemy who wants to destroy us. I mean, if, if anything, church, Jesus is telling us this story to remind us, to say to us, actually, it's worse than you think. Our world is more broken. The pain is more real, the suffering more deep. It's worse than we think. Now, I do think sometimes we, we can confuse who that enemy is. 
right? If these kingdoms are at war, we, we kind of forget who our enemy is. We think it's, you know, that person who cut us off in traffic, it's a political party, it's my ex, it's a family member, it's, it's something like that, right? We have these other people that we project upon, but Paul, the Apostle Paul tells us who our real enemy is in Ephesians. He says, but we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, like people with, with skin, is what he's saying, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That our, our real enemy doesn't wear skin, which is way scarier. There, there is an unseen power at work of evil within our broken world. There is a cosmic monster seeking to destroy us that would make Stephen King soil himself. And he has had a heyday in 2020. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about viruses and riots and political tensions. I'm talking about disunity within the church. Infighting among Christians, people who have walked away from faith or from their community. Church, the battle is worse than we think. And if I learned anything in 2020, it's how desperate I am for Jesus' kingdom to come. How badly I long to live in his kingdom. And so let me just even ask, where, where are you feeling desperate right now? You just think about when you walk out of it here or you go back to whatever it is you're doing at home right now. What, as you think about your life tomorrow as we get closer to school, well, like, where are you feeling most overwhelmed? Most at risk of throwing in the towel? Jesus knows. Don't lose heart. Jesus tells this story because he knew days like these would come. Don't lose heart. Okay, now thankfully the story does get a little bit better, right? It's pretty ugly at the start, but... So, so as, it, as it, Jesus tells it, right, uh, the, the widow, she keeps persisting. Like she keeps coming to the judge day after day after day. He's pleading for justice, and he, he refuses. He doesn't care. He, he wants nothing to, to do with her. But, but finally he gives in. But it's not, I mean, and Jesus makes it very clear, it's not because his, you know, his Grinch-like two sizes, two small heart finally grows. Like he, he sees the truth. Like, no, it's not that at all. He's just tired. He's just annoyed by her. She, he's just, he's, it's like when your kids like, keep asking, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, you know you shouldn't give in. And you, they keep asking. And you don't care anymore. And you're just tired. And you're like, fine. Like, it's bad parenting. doesn't happen in my house, of course. Uh, but I've heard that this happens, right? You, you've probably been there. That's, that's what he does. This judge, verse 4, says, For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. I mean, this guy is the worst. But here's, here's Jesus' point. If even this monster of a judge will finally bring justice, if even he will finally make it right, how much more will our good and better king how much more will our Father who loves us? If this wicked judge will do this, look at verse 7. If he'll do that, this is what, what Jesus is saying, will not God give justice to his elect 
who cry to him day and night? Will, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Yes, this time of waiting is hard. So many unknowns, and we feel our desperation. But Jesus is still our better king. That's the second thing. Don't lose heart. Jesus is still our better king. This year, it's been, a, it's been a hard year to be a leader of, I think, anything, right, this past year. Um, some of you know this intimately. Some of you are just exhausted, worn out, whether it's, it's leading a school or a hospital or a business or a family or a, you know, a church or a city, a, a nation, right? It, it's been a really, really hard year to lead. We should pray for our leaders. We should encourage the leaders around us and be very, very patient, please, with your leaders, right? It's been a hard year. But I can't, I can't tell you how many times in the past 10 months you know, something happens or, you know, something comes up and I say to the kids, but I'm, I'm not actually talking to my kids. You ever, I don't know if you ever have that experience, but I'm, I'm really just saying it to myself, right? Where I've just said over and over again, Jesus is our king. Jesus is our, Jesus is my king. Jesus is your king. And he is a good king. Do you believe that? I love this description of King Jesus from the book of Hebrews. That's how how the author starts his letter. He says, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is is God himself. He's the creator, the sustainer. He holds the universe with his hand. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He, He promises justice. He promises not to delay for too long. He promises to make it right. Church, you have a good king. He didn't accidentally fumble the universe back in March. I don't I don't know what he's up to. I definitely sense him pruning, exposing idols in our lives, right? The things that we thought we could trust, revealing what's really in our hearts. And it's been painful, hasn't it? But he is a good king. If this wicked judge will finally make it right, how much more will he? Don't lose heart. Okay, go back to the story. One more, one more thing we've got to draw out here. Because the widow obviously had a really important role in all of this, didn't she? Which is, it's kind of, it's kind of strange the way, the way it's described, but we don't, we don't want to miss it, right? She had an important role. She didn't just wait for the judge to act. She didn't, you know, sit back and just sort of hope for the best. She asked and she asked and she asked. Look again at, at verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will Jesus find faith on, on earth? He's, he's asking, will Jesus find the kind of faith that this woman has? Like, she's the model of faith in this, in this story. And yet so often, I think we imagine faith as like a, a kind of a passive trust, right? I'm just going to let go and let God. I'm just going to stuff all of my fears way down deep and hope that they go away. 
that's, that's not faith. Martin Schlusky, German author and violin maker in his, in his beautiful book, I'm just in the middle of it, it's, it's been just outstanding. He writes, faith in Jesus will never entail a contemplative retreat into an inner world, but will defy every crisis to its face. That is this woman. Her faith is not passive. In fact, even just go back to the language that the judge uses to describe her, right? He says, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. It's like a wrestling match. Like she's, she's a fighter. She takes the judge to round 10, 11, 12, Rocky style. Like this, this is faith. This is the picture of faith that Jesus shows us here. And how much more with Jesus? Because you don't have to box Jesus. You don't, have to, you don't have to beat him into submission. But we do have to ask. Church, Jesus knew last year would stink. And he's still our better king. But don't lose heart. Jesus is near to all who ask him. That's the last thing. Jesus is near to all who ask him. I mean, go back, go back to where we started in verse 1. Because I, I know it sounds ridiculous, right? And some of you, you feel so overwhelmed thinking about what's in store in this year, right? It feels ridiculous. But this is, this is how Luke began in chapter 18, verse 1. He said, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And maybe that sounds trite. Maybe that sounds like such a superficial thing. Well, let's pray more, and this year will be better, right? I know, I know. But those... Those things are two sides of the same coin. Always praying and not losing heart. Keep asking. Keep asking God for healing, for a safe vaccine, for treatment. Keep asking God to fix our nation for justice, empathy, unity. Keep asking God to save your family or your job or to heal your marriage or for that child or that friend or that spouse. Keep asking for his presence. Keep asking that God would work through his church for wisdom, creativity, transformation. Keep asking for his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we want it now. And again, I know like it's, it's dangerous to end a sermon with, so pray more. There you go. That's the, that's the application today. So pray more. Um, I, I know, I know, right? It sounds so superficial, so trite. We've, we've tried to pray more. Many of us have. It's not easy. And yet this is a discipline. Church, if you... Some of us have lost heart. Like there, there are people we're not going to see back here. For whatever reason, they've, they've given up. They've, they've, said, they've said, Jesus, I don't trust you anymore. I don't want the rest of us to do that. Don't lose heart. And what Luke is showing us, what Jesus is showing us here is that to to do that, you've got to keep asking. You've got to keep coming back to him over and over and over again. And you have to have a plan to do that. It's not just going to happen, right? You can just say, well, I'm gonna, tomorrow I'm going to pray more. Like, you gotta, how are you going to do that? Like, literally, how? Like, when, where, how long, what days, what places, what chair are you going to sit in? Like, make a plan to go back to God over and over again and plead, God, I don't want to lose heart. Don't let me lose heart. 
if you want to stay faithful in 2021, make a plan to keep contending with Jesus, to keep pursuing him, to keep going back to him over and over and over again. You have to. Our souls are at stake, people. One thing I'm really excited about this new year is a, a new tool that we're creating as a church to help us here, um, not just with prayer, but with all of the disciplines that help us, that train us to contend with God. It's going to be available in just a couple of weeks. We're calling it the Formed Life, the Formed Dot Life. You can actually go ahead and sign up for that. Uh, check out the website. Um, this is just to help us do some of these things a little bit better together as a church. We can't just do them by ourselves. We need one another. But Jesus is near to all who ask him. And he is dear to you. Don't lose heart in 2021. Again, I know some of us feel a lot like this woman. At, at the end of our rope, desperate, tired, overwhelmed. The thought of getting up tomorrow might just seem exhausted. And we don't know if 2021 is going to be any better. But I do know this. You have a good king and I know sometimes when I picture Jesus as a king, I, I picture him in this like distant palace. It's like, it's like the crown and they're all sort of distant and aloof, just completely out of touch, right, with reality. But that is not our king. Because what the scriptures teach is that because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, not only is our king, he's also our brother. Like as we, as we heard that song this morning, I know it sounds like sacrilegious to say, right? But that's what the, the scriptures teach, that, that Jesus is the rightful son of God. He is the heir to this throne, king of the universe. But we, through faith in Jesus, have been adopted into this family. And so we don't, we don't have a distant and aloof king that we have to sort of plead with or beg. No, he is our brother. Like your family with the, the king of the universe, and we can ask him any time for anything. And he will listen. He is a good king. So church, don't lose heart. Let's pray together. Father, we do come to you knowing that you hear our prayers because of your son, because of our brother, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you have made a way through your life, death, and resurrection back to God a way to hope and to joy. And so God, I, I pray.